Hello, it's just me to start off with. I just want to make a very quick announcement before we get into the reg- regularly scheduled podcast. Um, I've recently been announced as a, a DMs Guild Herald, um, which basically means uh, the DMs Guild have selected myself and 19 other uh, fantastic people to kind of herald <laughs> herald the good news of, of the fantastic people all involved in the um, uh, DMs Guild and kind of surrounding kind of community. Um, so what that kind of means is uh, there is a special code. Uh, if uh, I'll be on screen right now, um, I believe it's uh, DMs Guild House 5. Um, and you can use that for uh, up to like uh, 5% off any kind of purchases on the DMs Guild and drive through RPG of $5 or more. Um, it would be a fantastic way to kind of help support the show. Um, as well as I'm going to go out my way to uh, kind of help highlight creators going around. Um, but I just kind of wanted to uh, draw attention to you and uh, draw attention to it. And more importantly, thank you and all the listeners, because, you know, if it wasn't for people tuning in, uh, I don't know if I would have would have got this opportunity. So thank you. And um, now back to the morning show. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Dungeon Masters Guildhouse. Uh, this is a weekly podcast in which I, your host, Matthew Whitby, sit down with people all across the tabletop, RPG, and surrounding space. Um, and this week, um, I'm, again, I'm, I'm so chipper, I'm delighted uh, to be joined by Chris Hopper. Hello. Hello. Yeah, from, from the comfort of your very own porch. From the comfort of my very own porch. Nice. Now, how, how are we doing this, this afternoon? We are excited to be here. Uh, I'm excited to be here. and. Um... Looking forward to chatting. Nice. Well, you know what? Let's 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 again. I don't I don't want to let your excitement dissipate as, as as we have like a long rambly intro. Um, let's yeah, let's let's just let's jump straight into it. Um, so I guess for the, like the people listening, then, um, what have what what have you been making? Um, uh, well, uh, I've been on the drive through RPG and DM skilled sphere for about a year and a half now. Um, I made uh saxon and kilt expansions for realm of media's falling camelot series um i've contributed to a bunch of collections i'm including recently uh spin truck and bolts uh children champions of the fae uh monster hunters weekly marvelous archetypes um additionally i do some side consulting um i I do accessibility consulting for ncdm and for a couple of other magazines Nice. No. Wow. No. I, I, again, an exciting mix. And and I guess again, with how kind of small this industry is, uh, we are essentially project partners through the uh, was it uh, One Watch Media, um, as well. Oh, again, as well as, as again, it's always a few uh, Ch- Children and Champions of the Fae, uh, as well as yeah, the the, the Camelot series. Yep. Um, it's it, it's funny how like how again how I, I don't I don't know how how big it can all seem at some point and then it's like oh yeah no, yeah it's, 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 it's this person who kind of we've been kind of circling the, the, the same projects just through through how we've been doing things um Definitely solid Venn diagram yeah yeah <laughs> yeah eventually it just becomes a singular circle uh, given enough time but that's that's just how these things go um well then so. I guess it's starting things off then so with kind of only being like what well, again a, a year a year and a bit. What was kind of like the, I guess, I was about to say, what was your call to action, you know, to use like narrative tropes? So that's actually a funny story. Um, It was, uh, actually, it was two years ago, last month, that um, we've had puppies, we have beagle puppies, and we have puppies, and I'm up all night taking care of these dogs. And I'm I'm a forever GM. I've been, I've been running games for 25 years. Mm -hmm. So I have a pretty solid backlog of content. And I'm talking to my friend and he's like, you know, you can put this stuff online, right? And I'm like, what, like Reddit? He's like, no, <laughs> no, no. And so so he introduced me to it. And then a few months later, he wasn't actually involved with the community. He was just like, hey, this is a thing you should do. And so I browsed through it and I'm like, wow, these guys are amazing. How do I do that? <laughs> it took another six months to figure out the how part. Um, I, 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 I revivified my Twitter and I um, got to trying to re-engage with the tabletop community through that route and eventually uh, found the, um, the DM Skill Creators Discord and a couple of other projects um, early on um, that I got involved with and created like, you know, a stat block here or a little contribution there. Yeah. Uh, and then started putting together, oh, wow, 
there's a huge community of people here that we can all we can all put things together but we can also like soundboard and bounce off and and develop these ideas um and so that really that shifted it from uh from trying to figure this out on my own to mm-hmm. um to finding and filling niches interesting because i i guess i i, I find it, like i guess that like kind of one of my following up questions was gonna be because as well like as, on top of like you know sensitivity reading stuff being like a writer you're also like so you're, you're you're a layout artist so it was it literally just like through through virtue of like finding all these these niches and just be like well you know I, yeah, I can give that a go that you just kind of yeah I actually when I when I started um, one of the first things I did I worked with um, uh, Valor uh, Mr Valor what is Mr Valor's Twitter handle um, Valor Map yes uh, I, I, I I I admit, I also know them as just Val. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, I, I started working with him, uh, doing a mini adventure a day because I wanted to write because that, that writing outlet for me, that's a, um, that's an outlet. That's a, that's the thing that I get up in the morning. I do that. I, I have something I'm doing that day. Um, and so the, the writing part was the, was the hook. It was the engagement. It was the thing that brought me in. And then I've, I've worked in graphic design. I've been graphic design adjacent for my day career now for about 15 years. And so I got to look and, and realized that the layout portion is like, that's a whole different expression. So I love writing. I love creating memorable encounters. But in layout, I'm able to encounter everyone else's remarkable things and craft something that evokes that. Yeah. Um, I really like the graphic design challenge of, hey, y'all, we're going to hell this week. Or, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. or what or whatever. Or um drawing. Um, I did um Elise Cretel's um um Grecian themed one. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, lots of slab fonts, lots of like it, one of the early drafts actually had like crumbling mosaic tile um, oh, nice. stuff like that um and so being able to create evocative imagery that feeds into that experience not just for the players but for the dm to kind of get that psych you know feeling going um really pulled me from yeah i'll write the occasional adventure to yeah this is what i do with all my free time now <laughs> uh, no i was gonna say because there, there is a hundred percent there is a real like yeah you kind of phrase it best with there is a real art to lay out but I guess because it, it also like it, it's it's that interesting blend where like it like form and function, just because at the end of the day the words again you could do this lovely very intricate background that makes unfortunately the words on the page unreadable, <laughs> which would again on the art form it's like oh you know it's it's lovely but then it's that that balance and then again dealing with those um, again text that kind of wants to go on the next page and then it's like okay well what what do I do with this kind of floating text how do we kind of nudge things about um it's definitely a balance um but i must admit i I think i agree with you in in terms of like what rpg kind of creation as a whole it does allow you to kind of wear many hats and again kind of having all those kind of different forms of like like yeah kind of expression that that of like okay well these are the words is written how do we kind of make the kind of image we conjure in the mind as evocative as possible and you know you're finding the right art to kind of you know set the theme and kind of support that along the road um do you, I guess, no, interesting. And I, I wanted to ask as well, do you kind of, have, have you kind of maintained that kind of uh, encounter writing like each day or? Um, so I have not done each day because that was a very long month, but yeah, I, I, I try to write a couple of weeks still. I, I keep a backlog and um, I'm right now, I, my my tabletop group uh, rotates Dungeon Masters. Um, we, we are very good about swapping out each campaign. And then we also, we do one shots whenever the whole party can't make it. And so I get my, I get my GMing feed every couple of weeks through that. Um, and that's, if I'm not lucky enough to be running something off the guild, then I'm running something that I made up six hours ago. <laughs> so <laughs> no. so I, actually that brings up an interesting point. Cause when you talk about like when your friend kind of introduced you to, you know, the DM, uh, DMs guild, it was kind of the idea of taking some of your, like the stuff you've been working on and, and kind of what did you kind of, follow that up in the end or was it the cat that once you kind of found yourself in the community you were like bouncing around from collaborations i have a little bit i have um 
Tin Town Encounters on Drive-Thru RPG um, mm -hmm. that I did. It's not on the guild because it's just an OGL, um, just a really, it's actually, they're not social encounters, but they're, they're town encounters. They're things that involve <laughs> mostly commoners and like, you know, I think one of them's a, a magic user, but more social oriented. And so I put mm -hmm. that on Drive-Thru early on. Um, it's done dismally, but it's, it's <laughs> I mean, um, and some stuff like that. Uh, but mostly I have, you know, like everyone, I'm sure I have, I have a setting that hasn't yet evolved into its own book. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I have, um, certainly in both Celts and Saxons, um, the, the two realm work books, um, Memories of the Sea and, uh, Magic of the Celts there's certainly a lot of that in there yeah. um the the melusine and um saxons was not uh <laughs> not that that was a creature that i've reused three or four different ways because she evokes so many kind of um primal situations um mm -hmm. she she that's she sets a tone that you can shoehorn into hey look guys don't get in the water it will kill you um and so uh so so she she came from some past uh some past stuff that i've run um, it, it, i must be it's kind of like like i do like the process of like anytime you kind of kind of join yourself to like a, a collaborative project and you kind of got a section to kind of write on there are always those opportunities like you know what like there's this thing i want to write but it doesn't quite you know it's not large enough to kind of fill like a void in one of your other projects and it's like this is just perfect and it's kind of that that excuse to kind of go in and kind of um I guess yeah I, I, I guess satisfy that like that tick tick that list like thing off your like ideas list to be like I've finally done goblin cannon I don't need to worry about you know the goblin cannon expansion pack I, I just this one little adventure has satisfied that weird need for goblin cannon <laughs> so excited i made um i made a courier class that's coming up in a book with um cam day uh that that um he's basically a speedster like the whole the whole class is built around gaining speed and gaining ways to disengage and dash and and move move around again without provoking um opportunity attacks yeah um, and that thing's been rolling around in my head for probably a year. Uh, I, somebody beat me to it on Marvelous Archetypes. Um, and so I was like, okay, it's going in here. It's for the bats. They're <laughs> fat. They're nocturnal. They're couriers. So, so uh, I must admit, but, so, so, but I guess as well. So, so like, I must admit, I, yeah, I'm, oh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, words. I, I'm saying I'm always impressed by people who are like, I want to tackle class design. Just because I feel safe within the the subclass bubble, and mm -hmm. I, I feel like to like to go that step beyond into kind of the, the class realm is is always like scary. Um, how how do you find it? Subclass. That one is not a subclass design. Sorry, it's a rub subclass. The class. Okay, fair. Yeah, I have done a class. I have a I have an original class in Celts. I have two original mm -hmm. classes yeah. in Celts actually. Um, Boy, yeah, you're <laughs> not wrong about the jump there. What, what, I, I guess, it. like, what were some of the challenges that you kind of came across then? Um, I mean, at the core balance, right? Yeah. Um, so both of those, um, and actually in Agartha, whenever we come back around to Agartha, um, Ryan kind of builds on it too. Um, both of the classes tackle totally different magic systems. Um, and so it, one of them um, uses talismans and fetishes and little little um little things uh like kind of like the artificer ua mm -hmm. did um and uh but much more targeted um if you played the cypher system they evoke the cypher system concept of having this little one-shot thing this little acorn that you throw and it's going to explode into, an, into a thing of vines but then you're going to have to infuse another acorn yeah um that type stuff um and so building a class that was versatile enough to um, stand on equal footing with wizards and casters, um, but unique enough that it felt like a totally different version of magic. Yeah. Um, that took a chunk. <laughs> that was, yeah. I, I think it's as well, because I guess you kind of have to like, the, the class itself does, yeah, it needs to kind of stand on its own. And then to kind of have enough, like that not all the flavors in the class 
that it's kind of supplemented by the subclasses as well. And the subclass again, the subclasses have to feel distinct. The class as a whole has to feel distinct from the I don't know thirteen other. It's it's yeah, it's it's like a Herculean Herculean task, yeah. Um, but but I guess again, I feel like my mind always feels like if I were to make a class, I feel like casters is a, a, a kind of good approach, just because by introducing kind of I guess their own kind of again you you look at like casters and you kind of like I clearly identify that like okay well yeah sorcerers they've got their sorcery points warlocks I guess they they have their evocations and they only have two spells um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. yeah that'll be done uh, and then like wizards are kind of like the more kind of you know uh, traditional kind of caster and then it's like okay well what kind of resource do you kind of have to play around with um, and I think that's that's probably yeah the one way I would kind of go about it, but then it is like, okay, well, how do you balance this? How do you, how do you create a new resource and how do you kind of balance it that it's not too samey and it kind of all kind of stands out. Um, and again, how, and how does that kind of incorporate all the law that you're kind of building with it as well? Yeah. And that was um, the Celt book is so lore heavy. Um, I mean, that's, that's the thing about playing with a historic ish legend ish setting yeah. is that you have so much that the reader's already bringing in, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I say Celts, and that's that's a word that we made up hundreds of years later anyway, but I say <laughs> Celts, and that carries something um, that that automatically pulls people into um, to certain expectations about what that caster class is going to do and how its relationship is going to be uh, to the setting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and they're... They're the terrifying brand of druidic. Um, they're, they're, <laughs> no, they're not the yeah. nice kind. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 not the hooray, let's wild shape. They're the oh no, we're going to die horribly in the next. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in fairness, I feel like you know you need both every now and then. I think like you know, <laughs> unfortunately, it's it's nice to, it's nice to have you know a person who can turn themselves into a puppy. Sometimes you need to oh no, we 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 mean business now. <laughs> For sure. So, so I, I did want to also kind of um, ask because you kind of mentioned that. So I, again, as in a, in a roundabout conversational way, um, talk about like when it comes to like encounter design. You kind of said before that you kind of love kind of writing encounters that stand out, kind of evocative ones. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just I, again, I'm, I'm, I don't know if this is cheeky, but I'm just like, what's kind of like what's what's your secret? Ah. <laughs> oh good villains, uh, or good antagonists, even um, because I think. So much of so much of D and D, particularly, again, I've been at this for, I've been at too many tables for too long, maybe. Um, but particularly in previous editions, so much of D and D was let's go punch orcs in the face. Mm -hmm. And so, what I love about a a good encounter um, is that that green goblin experience where. He's going to drop for um, what's her name off of the Golden Gate Bridge if you move fast enough, unless you move fast enough. But you know you can't move fast yeah. enough. And so, admit, yeah. No, so when you said Green Goblin, my mind did just went to like just a nan Goblin, but you Spider Man Green Goblin. No, yeah, Spider Man yeah, Green yeah. Goblin. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So uh, so having having those um, having those villainous encounters where something is going to get lost in the process mm. but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you failed that means the story continued yeah and so whether it's the villain escaping in a puff of smoke or whether it's you beat them but the MacGuffin isn't what you thought it was or whether um you're in a you're in a natural encounter and you're shipwrecked on an island and you have no idea where you are, but that island's full of some kind of bizarro magical resource you've never encountered before. Okay. To me, the, and then what, you know, an improv, they talk about yes. And yes. Mm -hmm. And those yes. Ands are what build encounters for me. I, it, my goal with everything that I'm writing is to give the DM enough ideas that they want to keep writing past me. Because everybody that's running a campaign is writing their campaign as they're going, whether they're doing it off the cuff or with a guidebook structure. There's always that amount of ad lib and always that extra. And so I want my ideas to bubble more ideas out. And so I usually start with one idea that's already just ridiculous um, <laughs> and, and then bubble it over with three or four what ifs. Mm -hmm. 
and then try to focus in on what of those is going to lead to further storytelling past that. Because no, no, hundred. I think, and I think what they kind of like good encounters again. Like if you think about what the the the. Five E kind of suggests that was it players should be having like six to seven encounters on a day, which I'm sure most people aren't kind of running. It, it's kind of like it not not to the same extent. So you want the encounters, that, yeah, you want the encounters that they're having to kind of have like you know impact and kind of uh, yeah. And I like the idea, like especially the one the the kind of the what if and and the the SN is the fact that they allow you to kind of allude to like a bigger world. Like, I think it is easy for players to just assume that, again, the world resolves around them because it, in some way, it quite literally does. You know, the, the, the world is designed for the players. But to kind of allude to like, oh, you know, like um, there is kind of like, I don't know, like my, one, of, one of my favorite encounters that I've written um, is, is one where there is a uh, ogre um, wading through a river, chasing an alligator with a box in its mouth. Um, and it's just because I, I can't remember what I again. It's, it's a point where I can't remember what I put in the box, but it's something interesting. Like it, it doesn't really matter what you put in the box. Yeah, it doesn't matter what's in the box. It's a great image. Yeah, and it's the idea of like, okay, well, why, why, like, why, what's happened before to lead to this series of events? Like, why does the ogre value whatever's inside the box? What happens if the ogre gets the box? What happens if the crocodile gets away with the box? You know, and then it kind of, yeah, it kind of extends from there. Um, I guess to kind of throw the question back to you is like. Do you have like an encounter that kind of stands out? Like, is like, your, where's your, what's your Green Goblin encounter? <laughs> like the equivalent. Okay. okay. Um. Oh goodness, this is gonna take some context. Okay. Yeah, I, so, I guess it, I also um, another thing is that it is kind of like it's like picking children. <laughs> right, right, that too. Um. So comets and cockpits. Um. Again, daylight. Uh, daylight productions, Cam Day stuff. Um. The. Uh, there's these little guys called sporiers, um, which are similar but um, legally distinct from the mushroom guys that they just threw in the new Dragon yeah. and Dragon Feywild book. Um, but they're they're you know they're they're these they're these little mushroom guys of moderate intelligence um, who are um, they're kind they're kind of like native spirits to this giant planet mm -hmm. um and so they're very shy they're very distant yeah. um normally Ooh. and so my adventure is built around this guy that's that's experimenting with all kinds of mad science weather stuff because they're trying to grow crops in this world that's quite literally out to kill them yeah. and one of his experiments and you're, this is about midway through the dungeon. So you've been wandering through at this point, you've figured out that, you know, this guy has a lab and some weird stuff going on. Um, but it's, it's a storage closet that's, that they're all packed into super tight yeah. because they were trying to hide. And so when the characters open the storage closet, the characters are only in like a 10 by 10 room. Yeah. And so they are literally, it's, it's a swarm of sporiers <laughs> that they are suddenly surrounded by and the sporiers are panicked. And so you have tiny fists pummeling you, <laughs> trying to push you back out. And if you don't, you have two doors out, one door out back into the hallway, back where you came from, fine. Yeah. The other door into the big boss fight. Oh uh, yeah, and so you, you come stumbling through, through. Right, and so it, so yeah, in playtesting, half the half the parties they come crashing through the door with a heap of spurrier panicking and running around them, and then there's this giant uh, plant monster showdown mm -hmm. right then and there. You know, lightning's flashing. It's time to go. Roll initiative, guys. I, um, I it's good, yeah, I, like it's nice to kind of have like the kind of the. The, those situations where the players aren't as prepared as they could be because mm -hmm. it kind of any again I, I i've again i've had this uh rant multiple times about the like doors just slow slow things down <laughs> like like i don't know what it is about adventures and doors they just but anything that kind of like throws them into the action and again encounters are kind of a good way to like okay if the players are being like a little, little bit passive actions here like you need to you need to do something like whatever's going on but crocodile's getting away it's gonna eat that box or whatever or you know there's now <laughs> i don't know why but you said the little mushroom people they make me think of um from the 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 star wars sequels with the little porks oh yeah yeah just little yep, cute little like that. mushroom yep. equivalent versions of those yep yeah um yep. but no and yeah he, he has some great art for them too i'm trying to remember um i i have like a half 
<laughs> have a mental image of it. But yeah, they, they um, yeah, yeah, they, like, very similar. I, I think what's also kind of awesome as like when it comes to like writing uh, encounters is you do uh, like have like an absolute range. Because I mean, like comments and cockpits as well is like a, a space D&D setting. Um, you have, again, the, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Fallen like Camelot is again, uh, Arthurian kind of legend. And then obviously you've got like, you know, all the kind of DNCs. So it sounds like you're quite comfortable like bouncing across like genres, across like. I am an unabashed genre writer. If you <laughs> give me a genre to sink my teeth into, odds are I've already consumed media about it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and so I am going to lean so hard. Um, and actually right now um, I, I'm working on Redwall stuff with Cam. That's that's the inspiration. I can't say Redwall, but um, Jacqueline is, you know, it's it's the, the little anthropomorphic uh, animals and mammals and uh, and stuff like that. And yeah, it's again, it's that, it's that genre to lean into that we all have that that really strong association with. Um, I one of the things that I love about the Five E community, um, and I'm going to say the Five E community here, maybe a little more than Five E in print, um, is that a lot of us are not afraid to take this rule set and slap it on something oddball. Yeah, um, and that's you know, I, and I'm a GURPS kid. I'm Cipher System. I, I come from a lot of let's try some weird tabletop game guys. Yeah. Um, but being able to have a little bit more codified language for that mm-hmm. has been, has been a lot of fun being able to say, okay, it's 5e, but with laser guns. As I say, part of it feels like, uh, again, it is a good chunk of it is just like daylight publications and cam with like, was it, he had like supers and sorceries. He's also had like um, the uh, comments and cockpits. It's just, yeah, the kind of going out there and, and just bringing all it, which, which again, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I think, yeah, it kind of, um, again, it, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's, nice, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's not something, and I, and I mean, part of it speaks to the structure of 5e. Um, I think that they definitely built things in such a way that we can do that. And at the end of the day, you know, D&D is still a combat system more than a storytelling system in a mm-hmm. lot of chunks. But the people wanting to tell stories are going to tell those stories anyway. Yeah. And the, to me, the, the, the rules either enable, okay, I say to me, at my table, the rules either enable the story or they get out of the way. <laughs> so it's it's very much a case of if you're comfortable in 5e, you know 5e, here's this thing that can do 5e in space. Let's do 5e in space. Yeah. Sure. There's so many people that 5e has been their first tabletop encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's their first system and being able to to introduce them to different ways to adventure through 5e yeah. is is a great first step yeah and, and bit by bit again as you kind of uh, diverge from the you know the the was it swords and sword, like sword swords and magic kind of dnd core bit by bit you're like oh okay well we're in space now so let's incorporate this this space system from another game and then bit by bit you know you, you slowly kind of you know uh like it, it just because again it was easier to kind of like well okay this doesn't again 5e just doesn't isn't designed to deal with these kind of situations or like how you breathe in space or you know or how you deal with like an egg decompression or maybe maybe just space stuff i think um but yeah it's nice to kind of have have those kind of uh like solutions kind of come by um i i did want to ask as well if if you don't mind kind of talking to it about like uh the nature of like some of the um sensitivity uh kind of work that you do okay so i do accessibility not sensitivity sorry Um, yes I am I am clearly not the best reference for sensitivity reading. No, um, no uh, accessibility. Uh, so my background is in technical writing, uh, technical communications. Um, and so even as far back as college, which we're not going to talk about the year on, um, <laughs> well, um, I, I was at least baseline familiar with how to prepare a PDF for screen readers and mm-hmm. contrast and things like that. Um, and so, uh, I got the opportunity, um, uh, through James Intracasso to, uh, to do that for Arcadia, um, to which I said, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, please. Yes. Um, and, and, um, and I've also done it now for, um, uh, Kingdoms and Warfare, the upcoming book, book, um, big book, um, of theirs. And it's, um, 
it's important to me personally, uh, just because uh, I'm, I've played at a lot of tables with mm-hmm. a lot of people at very different skill levels. And I don't want a wall of text to be the thing that keeps somebody from having the fun that they want to have. Yeah. And so if I can take what are to me fairly simple steps, like there's some work, I'm not going to lie, it's mm-hmm. work, but it's clearly measurable objective this worked or it didn't work yeah if i can take that pdf and make it work for more people then i mean how can i not no 100 like, i think i think like that it's, it's kind of like the the possibility of like there's if if these kind of barriers to accessibility are are there and mm-hmm. there are steps to kind of prevent those you, yeah you, you should kind of do your best to kind of um go about kind of break, yeah breaking them down um yep, yep kind of to build on from that then i guess like so with when it comes to like creating like pdfs and stuff like that what would you say are like the most common like is is it literally just like the 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 transference of um pdf to screen to text sometimes there are kind of like because yeah i i get I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah I, i'm aware of some issues but not necessarily to the same level right so so screen reader screen reader is the main one um that's that, that not necessarily the main one but the easiest one um so when, when you're preparing a PDF for a screen reader, and again, I am completely and totally like 110% bound to Adobe for life. Adobe's my warlock patron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's a deal I can't get out of it. They have my subscription. They know where to find me. Yeah. Um, so, but it, it, when working in Acrobat, um, you, uh, you can manage your tag, your, your, your tags and your read order. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just like literally how that PDF reader is going to read it back to you. Um, and then um, making sure that you have alt text, just like on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, including your alt text for your images. Um, and then that's kind of where the cut and dry ends. From there, you get into some more complicated questions like, how's the contrast on this? Yeah. Um, is that sans serif font too funky? Um, did yeah. we put 900 words on this page when 300 would do? Um, and so like you, you start getting into editorial there mm-hmm. even because there's, there's, a, there's a word density, right? There's mm-hmm. a, and, uh, and again, um, Arcadia is phenomenal about that. Um, I, I will absolutely sing the praises of their entire team because the balance between art and text on everything that I've done has just been spot on. Yeah. Um, but there is a balance that you that you want to shoot for. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, um, particularly those of us that grew up on previous editions, um, there's a tendency toward denser text and toward you know, the, the three column, eight point font layout yeah. um, that that we don't have to be bound to anymore. Um, and page counts are a thing. Print production is a thing for some of us. But a lot of the times we're making PDFs. Yeah. We make PDFs as useful as we're able to. Yeah. I, um, I think, again, kind of leaning into the, again, the digital format that we now are is kind of so, so prevalent. Um, so I actually had a quick question about when it comes to like alt text on art, because I remember I was listening to, um, ah, geez, uh, the, uh, the podcast with Greg Tito and Shelley Mazenoble. Uh, I, I forgot the official name for it. Um, but either way, they were talking, they were talking about how uh, D&D Beyond were going through the process of in- implementing kind of like alt text for the entire kind of monster manual. Um, mm-hmm. But so when it comes to like alt text for images, is that something that necessarily you're going in and writing or is that, it, it, yeah, interesting. So for, in my case, yes. And in, in all cases, not always. Yeah. Um, and that's something that like, I kind of check back and forth with too. Right mm-hmm. now that's something that I'm writing. So yeah, yeah, you know, a mage stands arms outstretched at the edge of a cliff with lightning surrounding him, something like that. Yeah. yeah, I'm usually just putting that in as part of my consulting gig. It's, um, I, imagine it, it, I was going to say, it, I imagine that's also got to be kind of like almost like an interesting writing exercise in itself. Yeah, yeah, because um, sometimes you're reading three or four pages to make sure that you understand that 
this isn't just a mage. This is a red mage of Thay. And it's not just a red mage of Thay. It's a red mage of Thay who's made a particular warlock deal. Yeah. You know, like, like there's, there, there's, again, there's that contextualization because somebody with a screen reader, somebody uh, who is visually disabled, isn't, is going to get that block of text that you wrote for the image. Yeah. In situo, they're going to get it as they're reading along. And so if, if you're not capturing the intent of the artist, then you're just making noise. Yeah. No, I, I no, again, it, yeah, it, it, it sounds fascinating. And again, I think, again, it's, it's something that, again, uh, I, 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 I'm, I, I, I hope more kind of creators are kind of thinking more about kind of PDF accessibility. And, and again, I can only thank you for kind of being so kind of open to kind of chatting about it. Cause like, it's, yeah, I mean, like we should, we should kind of be kind of heralding these kind of practices. Well, um, and I mean, I'll, I'll shamelessly put it out on here too. Anyone that's following me on discord, following me on Twitter, whatever. I reach out if you have questions. I am very glad to look at your PDF and say, oh, those tags are backwards, but you did great here. Yeah. Stuff like that. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm consulting. I love consulting. Don't get me wrong. I like eating. But <laughs> I also want to make sure that that these the that you know, if if you're a creator too, if you're making things, then let's make things as usable as possible. And that's something that we all can learn on. And I mean, I'm learning, I'm learning a ton. I've learned a lot about that this past six months, but yeah. at the same time, you know, that's something where I can pass on that knowledge. Everyone can make things a little bit easier on everyone else and the whole, the whole group benefits. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, like anybody who wants to, wants to play should be able to play and that's, you know, bit by bit. Yep. Yeah. Nice. So then, then I, again, I, 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 I'm trying to trying to think of a smooth smooth uh, tangent, but I'm just gonna, I'm just going to go <laughs> go. There, there are no smooth tangents in the podcast. Um, so to kind of segue <laughs> back, back to your writing as a whole, um, I, I'm I'm curious then if you kind of have like a, a, a set way that you kind of your ideas kind of come to you, or is it kind of still very much like stemming from your the the when you're sat in the DM chair or so, um, and again, I think it's important to note that, that in a lot of ways, my DM writing, like, like when I'm actually running a game, mm -hmm. so much more of that stems from the players. Um, because if, if you're a GM writing encounters for your table, you're going to get so much fodder from that backstory. You're going to get so many little things. Um, but when I'm, when I'm writing for the guild, mm -hmm. um, a lot of my inspiration, uh, comes from, from whatever the the climax is from whatever the big fight at the end is like um again i'm i'm i keep bouncing to that adventure the 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 comments and cockpits yeah. um a little, little, little mushroom babies yeah, yeah. The, the the whole the whole pastiche is um little shop of horrors the big thing at the end is okay, Audrey yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so so i knew going in okay i'm doing a little shop of horrors but in crazy space planet because come on i'm yeah. gonna do a little drop of ours with your with these crazy space plants that you made and cam's like that's great how and so like that's the that's the okay so again i said earlier unabashed genre writer right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I, I mean that's that's kind of half the bun to like to have that kind of like really like okay this at this call this is this is the motivation and then you can kind of see if like okay well how do we systemize some of this or like what what parts do we kind of want to um, and, and yeah, yeah, it just ends in a giant plant monster. <laughs> so, so working my way backwards from, okay, so, so how did this guy get Audrey to, you know, are we doing the love story? We didn't do the love story. Okay. Uh, are we doing, um, are, are we doing like full on mad scientist, Dr. Jekyll here? And I, and so working my way back to there to get to where the, to get to a place where the players are going to get sent out by the commissioner to go find out what's going on with this guy's crazy lab. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the process kind of, kind of, I guess, start at the end, contextualize it and then yeah. build the last. Yeah. And I must admit, I, I think again, it, it's kind of natural kind of gravitate towards essentially like set pieces. The kind of because because I mean the set pieces are the the why that those are the cool parts in which then, yeah, the players are kind of get engaged in and that's kind of like all, all kind of all roads point to the, the set piece it's just like you, you that's how you kind of yeah work towards it so it, you have that satisfying payoff it doesn't come out of the blue it's kind of like the players are like yeah we we, we deserve this victory because you know they've done all the bits and bobs.
yeah yeah my my um my not just another monster book adventure um again it's that set piece it's mm -hmm. the tide didn't come in oh like, no, that's not good. oh no why didn't the tide come in like like you get that you get that something that crazy and the rest of it comes together no I must admit, so I, i've done a similar thing where like the kind of focus of one of the adventures i've been writing on is a uh a monastery where there are kind of like um runes of silence kind of scattered throughout so okay. like it, it it's just it's just a dungeon where the players are essentially pe penalized for like speaking uh-huh and, and that was kind of the focus of it because i was thinking like you know what for like a one again it would be horrible for an entire campaign but for a one shot for the players to try and have to try and adapt in an environment where they can't kind of communicate um and then it kind of again kind of shakes the way um they kind of have to have to kind of uh, work together which was kind of like that that, that again that, it's working backwards from that point of like okay well now that we have this thing that kind of you know potentially means that wizards aren't going to have such a good time um how can we kind of again reward the players kind of exploring to try and maybe find ways that they can kind of bypass or like you know cast their spells or like how can we put in creatures that kind of prey on the fact that everyone's quiet and kind of vice versa um yeah no but yeah unfortunately yeah it's not it's not based on uh, a, a a particular film reference but it's yeah it's the, kind of, the, the same kind of concept that's, um, that's good yeah so i well i, I guess because yeah, i'm building on from that then so if kind of again kind of what you kind of like focus towards and kind of working backwards from these kind of set pieces would you say that's like your favorite part of the process or and if not what's on the other side of the coin what is your like least favorite part of the process Sure. So favorite part of the process is actually not exactly that. Like for solo work, maybe, yeah. but I am a sucker for collaborations. I, they're not the most profitable. I, I can certainly show you some numbers there, but <laughs> from a enjoyment standpoint, yeah. there's a moment in every collaboration and Cam's really good about facilitating these moments actually, where everybody realizes how their part connects into the next part mm -hmm. and like like i'm doing bats and bats are couriers but bats are couriers for these two other kingdoms that are at war with each other and some bats serve them and some bats serve them so nobody really trusts the bats because nobody knows who the bats are working for yeah. that type that type of again uh, going back i guess to the improv yes and those types of yes and moments where the entire room is suddenly building something so much bigger than what I had already built in my head. Yeah. I, li I live for that. I, I love seeing that come together. In a class. And I must admit, I think they really do. They, they really come to life when you're working together on like a setting guide or a project of that kind of like scale where again, it isn't necessarily feasible for one person to do all the, the kind of world building that it becomes kind of layers and layers of like, Oh, I've done this kind of thing. And then, Bit by bit, it's like oh, okay, we can kind of make this this um, like a quilt. It's like a knitted quilt. It's like bit by bit, all the kind of uh, the the squares come together, and it's like oh, we can step back and see the whole thing. Um, yeah, no, I, I guess, and, and I must admit, there is definitely something about like um, I was going to call myself like an energy vampire, <laughs> but in terms of like in like collaborations, like the 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 energy boosts that kind of I don't know every every time you have those moments where everything kind of clicks. Or just kind of, you know, being able to kind of bounce ideas of people where you type something and then three people are typing like, yo, and then you're like, yeah, no, clearly we're onto something here. Um, it just devolves into gifts after a few minutes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, Venice, I think, you know, that that's when you know you have a good idea when someone responds with a gif and not words. That's it. Yep, that's it. Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah. So the least favorite. Um Ah, so there, there's the, there's that step, I guess, between layout and conclusion, where inevitably a stat block is wrong, or uh, Wizards of the Coast released a new format with efficiency <laughs> bonuses. Yeah, I imagine, uh, I imagine that was a process that probably irked a few layout artists worldwide. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, and, and don't get me wrong, it's important to do. I am I'm actually really excited to have the proficiency bonus in there because we were all calculating that anyway. Yeah, yeah. But but having having that moment of, oh no, our baby that we've loved for six months of writing together mm. needs another two weeks because we're going to have to add a page and a half because we left out this major chunk. That yeah. uh, it inevitably, 
and and this this might be the layout guy complaining a little much, but inevitably that happens when you're holding the PDF you think was finalized. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's just you or if it's you and 20 people. It's always that last proof where you're like, oh no, no, that can't go out like that. <laughs> I, I, I must admit, but I think it is like I, like again, I'm I'm so impressed with like kind of like the the some of these huge kind of collaboration out there. And I don't envy any kind of like project manager trying to keep track of because I'm no doubtedly like throughout a project, you probably like if you have like, I don't know, like 10 people on a project, you probably have like, I'm going to hazard a guess, 20 different Word documents. <laughs> I'm just going to go like that's that, That's probably like even like a small estimate of like, you know, what you have going on. And then it's like, OK, is this the updated version? Is this the edited version? Is this the edited like responded version? And Certain project that I worked on had over 70 Word docs attached to it before it got to its completion. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that was, that one was, that one was 20 odd collaborators. It was enormous. Um, yeah. So, 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 so basically, I, I, yeah, I feel like you're, you're the person, unfortunately, on the receiving end of, of most of the. Yep. But um, it's, I mean, good templates. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have. Uh, we have some phenomenal editors and and the DM skill uh, group that uh, and and really the 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 uh, the adventure templates too. There's a handful of really good adventure templates yeah. and um, class templates that that seem to be circulating in Google Docs a lot more these last few months. Um, but yeah, the the importance of a standardized template cannot yeah. be understated. No, yeah, hundred percent. Not yeah. Again, I, I, if 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 I, I, what I, was about, I was about I was about to go and say if like it's yeah, I nice like for some adventures I have my own kind of template that I kind of go away and bit by bit I've kind of like I guess like Frankenstein monsters like section from adventures that I kind of like the layout for. Uh, when it comes to commission stuff, but yeah, don't 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 miss the layout. What, what you have is like you know treat it like gospel. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Um. Because I yeah, I imagine again, like every now and then I imagine one one little bit where it's just like, okay, it's just a little bit out of the template that we can kind of, but then when again it kind of complains of like, oh, then this is just not this is just not in the very format. Uh, oh no, is this is this addressing the reader? Is this addressing the DM? What kind of box does that text go into? Yeah. yeah. That's that's the yep. <laughs> No, okay. I find, no, I get, I find, yeah, like, uh, I, 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 again, I, I do like the kind of the conversations where I can kind of like chat to like, again, like a layout artist and, and just kind of get all the, because at the moment, like my pie in the pipeline is, is I kind of do like a, the layout myself, but then I know that what I do for layout. So basically I don't have, um, uh, what is it InDesign or anything like that. I use like a, um, I guess I can only describe it as like a home brewery adjacent uh, which okay yeah but it's like so it's like it's it's not home brewery but it's like i'm doing all the coding stuff myself okay which it, well, I, it works it works for me i, I and you know some of the documents i i think are fairly pretty but that that's because like, again i've just i don't know i don't know if it's stockholm syndrome <laughs> i've just this this is how i started doing it and now this is just how i do it from now on um it sounds like you're some, yeah the good news there is that if they're talking about accessibility, if it's HTML, it's already tagged. Yeah. Your H1s are H1s, your H2s are H2s. Yeah, oh, no, um, it, yeah, and, and it, it generates all, like like I said, all my kind of, um, uh, like, the hyperlinks, for, like, all the kind of chapters and stuff like that. Oh, it, it does, yeah, it does wonders and all that stuff. Um, but but yeah no it's yeah I, I, I don't know there's, there's some days where I'm just like I don't why why am I why, why am I doing it this way why, why am I, I like, the project where I've had the yeah the projects where I've had like the pleasure to be like I'm gonna get a layout it's, it's all I don't know I always enjoy it so much more because I'm not, I'm, I'm not the one fighting with code or like a document anymore uh, I'm a code wrangler by day um I actually I do html and javascript uh, at my day job so uh yeah you you have my sympathies <laughs> I'm glad it, I don't know I, again I can't I can't ask for sympathy too much because again it's it's uh it's self-induced suffering <laughs> but yeah so um again before again before I, I do try and get any more pity um talking about like design oh I, you know what actually i'm, I'm kind of keeping this on the kind of like layout trend um is there like a particular kind of layout choice that you've kind of made or like a particular page spread that you're kind of like quite quite proud of oh goodness um i love the um i love the look of Memories of the Sea. I think of, of every, and, and again, Memories of the Sea was a solo book. Um, mm -hmm. I, I 
approached Ryan. I said, Ryan, this is amazing. Do you realize that you didn't have Anglo-Saxons if they didn't get to be Anglo? <laughs> and, so, and so, so, so that was that was a solo book. That was me being a history nerd and wondering what the eighth century looks like if suddenly you drowned all of Europe in terrible boiling dark magic. Um, but you know, it happens on occasion. Um. Uh, yeah. So, so the layout for that, um, and so the, the the layout approach to that, I took. Um, it's a lot of cool colors. It's a lot of blues. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's got um it's it's made to look like a a battered old book that's been just completely like a wash in seawater and so yeah. there's a lot there's a lot of stains through it and the images a lot of the images are um they're saturated in they're they're um they look like they've bled through the page or they're tearing off of the page or things like that and so of 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 a lot of the ones that i've created i think that one has kind of and kilts Kelts takes a similar approach. It mm -hmm. Kelts looked more like an old book and less like an old book that you threw in the ocean. But both of those, um, I managed a little bit more unified design. I think I did better on it in Memories of the Sea, frankly. But uh, but both of those kind of they have a more unified feel to them than I've managed in some subsequent ones. But um, it kind of goes back to what you're saying. Is like again, the kind of layout is 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 can also kind of carry the entire theme of the book. Right, you know, throughout and stuff like that. And again, it can convey things that, again, like again, like memories of the sea being all about, you know, a bunch of people kind of Europe kind of being buried under under the oceans of that, and having the book kind of almost be a memory from that. Um, yeah, and I would be, it would be terrible of me to not mention Gilroy's Guide to Fay because that's literally the whole pitch there. The art on um, Gilroy's Guide to Fay, uh, Never Not DM, brought to Kickstarter a couple of months ago, and the art is just phenomenal. Um, it's uh, it's 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 made to be a hand drawn journal, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's it's a script, and so we've got his handwritten script throughout it. But the the all the drawings are charcoal. Um, they're all nice. sketches charcoal, and there's like four to six of them per monster like okay yeah. tons of really really good art i it we did a few spreads for samples and i'm like man you are knocking this out of the park these look great what awesome showcases and then i get like 30 more pieces of art and i'm <laughs> like oh yeah the whole book yeah so i, I am i i, I am I'm getting ready. The art is finalizing on that. And I'm getting ready to go back to it and get the rest of the book laid out. And I cannot wait because I've just, I've been seeing this bit by bit as it comes yeah. in. And every piece is just, you know, claws coming out of the deep or vine wrapped creatures. It's, it's just so evocative. Um, and, and yeah, so, I imagine it completes that picture of the, someone with a journal, like, <laughs> maybe, maybe not, yeah. again, not that, like, in, I hate, like, uh, I imagine, like, if there's a monster approaching, you don't really want to be like, like, oh, no, this is, this is the best. No, 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 he's definitely sketching from way over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> feel like a binocular and there's going to, yeah, fearing off in the distance. Um, yeah. But then, I, so I, I guess to kind of just capture it then, so to, to flip it on, on the question on its head and just like, what about on, like, a writing front? Has there been like a like a particular encounter or like a, in particular like design work that you're quite proud of? Um. So I mentioned the Melusine at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, I just uh, again, um, I love I love her integration into that whole book. Um, and so, if you're playing in a realm work media campaign, please stop listening. <laughs> um, the, uh, yeah, so, the thing, yeah give, give, give the people listening just yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the whole story there is that um in the traditional french story the melusine mm -hmm. um is she, she tells so she tells her prince hey i'm gonna be an awesome queen it's gonna be great you'll have wonderful children everything will be great just leave me alone when i'm having bath time <laughs> um totally reasonable request yeah, no, yeah. it's ignored um, um, and so, uh, so he, she's discovered to be this two tailed serpentine monster creature and runs fleeing into the night. And then the legend kind of muddies from there in a lot of interesting ways, mm -hmm. um, because her children, um, and, and a lot of typical, in a lot of continuing myths, her children are either like 
like saviors and miraculous or they're terrible monsters or a bit of both mm -hmm. she visits and keeps an eye or protects or maybe is like this haunting figure and so in in um in in memories of the sea I've, i said this like a couple hundred years later mm -hmm. and she's keeping an eye on her children but she's been transformed by the experience to both hate the surface world and be completely obsessed with it and so she has a spy network spread out across the surface world using these little um these little touchstones and they all report back to her and she runs this gigantic like intrigue laced thing where she's keeping an eye on her descendants and she's keeping an eye on the nobility and the royalty and she's gotten sucked along with the rest of camelot to this bizarro pocket dimension yeah um and so she's depending on how your party plays it, she can be a super powerful ally. She's certainly an amazing resource for information, but she's also absolutely going to murder you. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so having, having a, having a nigh immortal creature that's that layered with history mm. um, is huge to me because as a dungeon master, I can spin that however I need to. She's, She's an antagonist that pops up adjacent to your villain or mm -hmm. um, or a contagonist that's going to drive you to some particular part that you haven't uncovered I, yet. I, I think that, that that's one of my favorite approach of like kind of writing like NPCs is the ones that can be both an ally and a villain depending on how the players kind of approach them. Because again, that, that's, I think like one, again, it's just, it, it's it's a beautiful design. It's just, <laughs> but then it's also that kind of like, from like a utility sense, it's like, it, it is what it, anything the DM needs. And like I said, if if like in, you know, during your like, um, you know, Fallen Camelot campaign, you're just like, damn, we, we, we just don't have enough information. If only there was like, I don't know, a spy network of touchstones. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, yeah, and I, I must admit, I, I, when anytime you get the chance to kind of dip deep into kind of like um, lore or like you know like legends and so far, it's 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 fascinating, and like, particularly with like um, Arthurian and kind of like Camelot, there's so many like interpretations, and you kind of you kind of have freedom to like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I like this, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I love cherry picking from it. That's that's what drew me to Realm Warp's entire um, Cities of Myth series. Um, is that that we're we're shaping these into that cohesive sequence? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I, I, it's um, same with uh, same with Atlantis and Algartha. Um, mm. They're uh, there's so much. They're just so rich. They're so rich of vein to tap there. Yeah, damn. Well, then, and I, I guess uh, as like a, my my final kind of question about your like creative process as a whole then is over everything you've done again with all these kind of projects and something is there like a particular lesson that you can kind of point to that you've wish you learned sooner time management <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's fair no yeah oh uh, no i mean it's I, I i've gotten to the point in the last few months where i have to learn to say that's amazing but i'm gonna slow this down or mm -hmm. that i can't wait to see what you make but that one's not for me yeah. um i i very i am very guilty of being so excited because uh, everybody's making such awesome stuff mm -hmm. like like every week there's a call for writers on something that looks incredible yeah the and, the, the, the the fomo is real <laughs> right right and so 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 developing the actual discipline to say that looks great my 20 hours a week filled up on tuesday <laughs> like, <laughs> like we need to whoa there so so uh, so learning learning that lesson i think is an ongoing uh an ongoing development as a couple of layout projects that i'm working on now would attest to um but uh it's um uh, i think the, the thing problem is it, it does ebb and flow it, it it's always hard to kind of that that kind of like that kind of consistency is always the weird bit because like every now and then that you would have the part where like i'm on I'm, i have seven projects right now and this really cool pitch is coming up and then three to four months later you might be like Finally, I've got everything off my plate. And then it's like, <laughs> where's, where's, where's the project at? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I think, yeah, I, I, it's, I, I, I thought I could manage a month at a time. Mm -hmm. What I've learned is that I have to manage a quarter at a time. Yeah. And even managing a quarter at a time, sometimes there, there's that, there's definitely a transition period where, where it's looking yeah. like, eh. 
So all, all of that's December 1st, you say. <laughs> and then December, I, I know how Christmas is going to look. And then December 31st, okay. So we've got a couple of weeks off and then I'm going to be looking around January 1. Like, all right, so um, which five am I doing at once? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. History, history is doomed to repeat itself. We are, are as, as creatives, we could just cast. <laughs> the, the, oh. the deadlines are ever looming and never ending. <laughs> I love them. I love every one of them. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, so then, well, to talk about, like, I guess, like, the, like you know, uh, project management and, like, choosing who to kind of, you know, collaborate with and all that. That's kind of, you know, that's part of the tabletop RPG community. Um, so I guess to kind of extend it a little bit further, like, who who would you say are, sort of, like, some of the sources of inspiration in the community as a whole? Oh, my goodness. So um, broader inspiration, um, Definitely, I have to brag on MCDM. Um, mm-hmm. Everything they do is consistently, like, honestly, above publication yeah. level and some standards, like above and beyond. They they are creating incredible stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, Underground Oracle, uh, they just and then put out just such a steady stream. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I think a lot of my inspiration. A lot of my inspiration comes from Twitter indirectly. Um, but then also from from the names that that you see over and over again from these people that are delivering on patreon and um and i'm excited i won't i won't spoil things but there's other people coming to patreon next year that i'm really excited to see because these people that are creating content on the regular for their subscribers in in a deliverable digestible format like i know my schedule i know my life i know even if i got a backlog yeah um that's that's a big proposal um like the, like the, the the level of consistency is is is, is yeah. mind-boggling yeah 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 exactly and that's the, the 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 ability to consistently deliver super high quality content um is is just just huge and that's 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 what gets me opening up and opening up my twitter in the morning and saying oh wow that's really awesome. What have I done today? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it, uh, open to it. See some cool stuff, and then proceed with doom scrolling for twenty to twenty to thirty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how else I'm supposed to start my day. It's just it's a routine at this point, <laughs> for sure. Oh. No, no, yeah, no, awesome, yeah, no, hundred percent, and yeah, I, I think again, it's it's fascinating to kind of see the kind of the way people kind of adapt to um again like whether it's a case of like they release one thing a year and by golly is it like a, you know one hell of a release that kind of or you know they have that kind of again weekly stream of content which is all of kind of amazing it's again it's it's all kind of fascinating and, and amazing to kind of see in its own way um but then why well, i think about i guess releasing things as a whole uh more more importantly uh chris we have done it, it it's been an hour we've both managed to survive um, we haven't been attacked by any any deer or animals, and, and <laughs> no cows have entered the frame. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all we can hope for. It would be more weird if they came in my frame, um, but, <laughs> but I, again, I don't want to rule anything out. Um, but no, I, I don't want to. I don't want to end the podcast without hearing uh, some of the cool stuff that you're working on, um, and kind of more importantly, where can people kind of stay up to date? Sure, sure. Um, Linktree slash Chris Hopper. Um, I just use my name as much as possible, make things easy. Yeah. Um, except that guy on Twitter, he's a preacher or something, not me. Oh, the, it, um, like Chris Hopper one. But currently on Kickstarter, I am doing layout for Christian Zoic's uh, Amazing Encounters in Places. Um, T.A. Gray's Fey Encounters launches next week. Um, and... Uh, and then we've had Pitagartha on hold. So, um, so those, those two are, are coming up. Um, the not just another monster quest series. I will shamelessly plug, even though I am way, 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 way down in volume six, just <laughs> I love the idea of it. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love all the content I've seen for it so far. So I'm coming up in that. I don't know, January, February. I'm not sure. I think we're working on volume three right now. I mean, um, eventually. It's just like, it just keep, keep watching. Like, everyone now needs to watch. Yeah, everyone needs to look at like, not another monster. Like, wait, wait, wait. Oh, there's Chris. Hey. <laughs> and um, and anything that Realm Warp Media is putting out, keep an eye on Realm Warp Media as well. Oh, yeah. So, I know. A fantastic, a fantastic group of people. Yeah, you got like a bunch, yeah. of, bunch of really cool stuff. Um, no, well, I, I honestly, I, again, Chris, thank you so much for taking some time. Um, this is yeah, again, I, again, I, 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 it's got a double whammy because not only did we get to talk about adventure stuff, we got to speak about what well, a triple whammy 
geez, you know, accessibility. We've got to talk about layout. We've got to talk about metric. Like, well, it's, it's all good fun. Glad to glad to have brought everything that I could to the table here. <laughs> no, see, yeah, no, I, again, I, if anything, probably to do you justice, I should have had you on like three times in a row. <laughs> that way we could have, you could have wore like a different hat, maybe like a mustache of like, hello, I'm... <laughs> We'll come back in. We'll come back in a few weeks from the back porch. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, entirely new person. Um, but no, other than that, yeah, I, I've been. I've been Matthew Whitby. Um, you can find me at Whitby Writes. Um, I don't have anything coming out immediately that I'm aware of, but I've been wrong before. <laughs> so, so that's that's just how I'm going to leave things. Um, but I am going to ask my favorite question, um, which is, Chris, uh, how do you how do you end a podcast? All right. Um, so I have to preface this with, I don't listen to podcasts. Um, so I'm excited to be on this one, but I've not, I, I had to do podcast background research because <laughs> I'm not much of a podcast person. Um, but what I figured out about podcasts is that it has to end with a bumper that you recorded three or four years ago in drastically different quality. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I will, I'll, I'll, like, I will follow and subscribe for more. I will record an outro and I will essentially put the audio through like a blender. <laughs> So, so enjoy. I recorded this maybe three years ago. Oh, maybe three years ago. Maybe from 1973. Who knows? This episode of Dungeon Master's Goat House was brought to you by me. <laughs> I can't, I can't keep a straight face, but uh, from uh, the smooth, smooth sound of jazz as well. Uh, be sure to check out my newest album, Long Saddle, and uh, be sure to tune in next week for my next album. I, I, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't understand.